When circumstances in our life don't go as planned, when things happen that we don't expect, or when tragedy strikes, I often see one of two responses. The most common, by far, is anger at God, or questioning God, or just outright despair. There's a lot of people who can't get beyond the why questions. I see even some Christ followers that become so angry with God that they turn away from God, from other believers that are trying to be supportive, or they bury themselves in a bottle of alcohol or with drugs, or they end their marriage, or they distance themselves from their friends. But I've also known people who were strong in their faith and didn't go down that road, even to the point that despair was not going to be an option. I've heard things like, I know God has a purpose and a reason for everything. And I like this one. God has faithfully demonstrated his love to us and our family over the years, and there is no question in our minds that God is good, and we will praise him even in this tough time. God is the giver and taker of life, and he will sustain us. I wonder how many of us can say that today that there is no question in our mind that God is good and that we will praise him even when the times are tough. I tell you, the most incomprehensible part of that statement for me is the phrase, there is no question. No question at all after a significant loss or a tragic set of circumstances, how can anybody feel thankful when times get really tough? Well, it's Thanksgiving week once again, and across the country, millions of people are getting ready for a week of great celebration. Probably some of you are planning on traveling. Later this week, you'll get on a plane or a bus or in a car, and you'll fly, ride, drive somewhere. You're looking forward to some time off, maybe a long Thanksgiving weekend. Meanwhile, the cooks among us will soon be hard at work baking and basting and putting together pies and stocking up on food to feed the mob that will be coming to the house. And around the nation, this coming Thursday, millions of people will stop to give thanks. Believers and unbelievers, Christians and non-Christians alike, for one day in this nation, we tend to pause and give thanks to God. Now, it's entirely right that we should do that. After all, the Bible says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray for everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. But do we really believe that God is good as we turn our thoughts this week toward giving thanks? The year was 1620. The pilgrims had just landed. It's a well-known fact that the pilgrims came to America because of their Christian faith. They came because they loved God and because they believed that God was leading them. They were not deists. They were Christians who believed that Almighty God had brought them to the shores of this nation. William Bradford, in his book of Plymouth Plantation, tells the reaction of the pilgrims when they landed at Cape Cod. And here's what he said. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof. 
again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth, their proper element, and no marvel if they were thus joyful. Peter Marshall, commenting on this historical moment, says they had begun the long journey by kneeling on the dock at Belshaven to ask for God's blessing, and they ended it on the sands of Cape Cod, kneeling to thank God for that blessing. So I want to ask you today the question, what is the secret of thanksgiving? Why is it that some people approach this holiday with rejoicing and others with anxiety? Honestly, some people are not looking forward to the holiday. Some of you know that for you, Thanksgiving will either mean a day of loneliness or a day of busyness or just another day at work or perhaps a day of family strife that's pushed a little below the surface. And then there's the frustration that many of us will experience as we watch the Detroit Lions lose again. <laughs> but I digress. Okay. Some of us will look over the last 12 months and say, I don't really have that much to be thankful for. And if you add up all the pluses and the minuses of the past year, it may seem that the minuses outweigh the pluses. And as you face Thanksgiving, you are a little like Ebenezer Scrooge with bah humbug on the whole thing. I don't have really anything to be grateful for. So what is the secret to being grateful, as the scripture says, in all circumstances? <clears throat> I'm going to share with you an answer, and it's just one word, and it is that, and the word is contentment. Not happiness, not prosperity, not being free to do whatever you want, not winning the lottery. The answer is found in Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12, where the Apostle Paul says to us, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost, on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with want. Would you like to know the definition of contentment? Contentment is realizing how much you already have, how much God has already given you, and how rich you already are. The problem with many of us is we approach Thanksgiving focused on the circumstances of our life. And for far too many, we gauge our happiness and our joy and contentment by how, by how things are going on the outside. And the Bible says it's not like that. Contentment is not a matter of outward circumstances. Contentment is a matter of understanding how much we already have. And that brings me to the book of Proverbs. And I want to give you seven verses today from Proverbs that all have the word better in them. Now, each one of these verses gives us a comparison between something that is good and something that is better or something the world thinks is important versus something God says is important. And these seven verses, I think, explain the concept of contentment. Remember the definition. Contentment is a matter of understanding how much you already have. Proverbs 12:9. Better to be an ordinary person with a servant than to be self-important but have no food. Now, this verse always cheers me up when I read it, because here's how I understand it. Here's what it means. Better to have no reputation and be thought of as a nothing and yet have all your needs met than to be some hot-aired big shot and starve to death in your own home. You didn't know all that was in that verse, did you? 
Better to be an ordinary person with a servant than to be self-important but have no food. Proverbs 15, 16. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Too many of us have bought into the notion that it is money that brings us happiness. If I just had an extra $1,000 or $5,000 or $50,000 or $150,000, then at last I'd be able to buy that thing that I've always wanted or we'd be able to move up to a newer house or a better car or a better part of town and that would really make us happy. Well, you know, the Bible's not against wealth or prosperity, but it is very honest about money. And I've known people who've had a lot of money but have a lot of trouble to go with it. You know why that is? Because if you have a lot of money, everybody wants some of it, don't they? Just ask some of the lottery winners. The more you have, the more people want from you. Some of you may have read the book Hang Time by Bob Green. It's a story about Michael Jordan's life, the legendary basketball player. Okay? And the saddest part, I think, about the story of Michael Jordan's life is that basically he could never for one day live a normal life. He couldn't go to the drugstore. He couldn't go to McDonald's. He couldn't go to the mall. He couldn't walk down the street, in fact, without being surrounded by security and guards who protected him in some degree from the rest of the public. Now, you may think, just give me his $65 million and I'll try it, you know. I don't think most of us really would. There are people who are so rich that they are imprisoned by their riches. So it is with some of the multimillionaires and multi-billionaires of this world. The more money a person has also increases the likelihood that there's going to be some more issues to deal with. Proverbs says it's better to have a little and be obedient to God than to have a great bottom line bank account and turmoil in your life. Proverbs 15, 17, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with somebody you hate. Translated, it's, it means it's better to eat cold beans with somebody you love than to have a T-bone steak with a bunch of people who can't stand to look at your face. You know? There's a reason why people get depressed at Thanksgiving and at Christmas time. Why they hate to go back home. It's because that you know when you get back home, you're going to see all those relatives you haven't seen for a while. And especially when some of them get a little tanked up on the holiday spirit, some of those old hurts, those old problems, those old issues start coming out. I understand that that's not everybody's experience, but it is true for a lot of people. And what ought to be a joyful, happy time becomes an unbearable struggle. And you're praying to God that you'll just survive until the time comes when you can leave and go home. Better, the Bible says, to eat beans in a family where, you love, where they love you than to have the richest food in the greatest hotel where there is hatred and strife and turmoil. Proverbs 16.8, better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Better to do right and struggle than to do wrong and be rich. Better to follow the rules and go broke than to cheat and climb your way to what you think is the top of the ladder. It's better to struggle to make ends meet and know that you're doing the right thing in the eyes of God than to cheat other people just so you can have it all. Proverbs 16, 19. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. 17.1, better a, cry, a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. 
And that's what Thanksgiving and Christmas time are for a lot of people, a house full of feasting, but with conflict. And what should be a joyful time of the year with people you love becomes a struggle to endure or maybe even to survive. Proverbs 28.6, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. So what is contentment? Contentment is realizing that we're better off right the way we are now. And if we're dreaming of more money and more material possessions, contentment is realizing just how much God has already blessed us with and how much we have in the present moment. In reality, most of us truly are better off the way we are now. This morning I want to share with you a little mathematical equation. It's not too difficult. I want to give you four steps to the equation for a happy Thanksgiving. And if you follow these four steps, I think you'll have a chance of having a pretty good Thanksgiving day this year. And now this is going to be an interactive exercise. We've not done this in a long time, but you're going to get to participate in this. So I invite you to take out a piece of paper, whether it's on the worship folder or a piece of paper and a pencil. Um, You cannot just sit there. You have to work on this, in part because I don't trust you to do it later. So we're going to do it now, okay? Where does a happy Thanksgiving begin? You have to add something, you have to subtract something, you're going to have to multiply something and divide something. Now, I'm going back to my day where this is going to be easy math, not new math. This is the the easy way to do this. We're going to do it, but you're going to have to participate in this. So here's the first thing. I'll give you a cue in just a moment, but I want to set it up, each of these pieces, and then I'll give you a cue when to write. Uh, First, we need to add up our blessings. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the Lord says the following to the people of Israel as they are poised on the bank of the Jordan River. They're overlooking the promised land. They're frightened to death to go in and conquer the walled city of Jericho. They're scared to death of the Canaanites. And God says, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But don't Be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the Exodus. So God helps them to remember. You saw with your own eyes the great miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm of the Lord your God that brought you out of slavery. Remember. So the first step to having a happy Thanksgiving is to have a good memory of God's blessings in our life. So what I want you to do is take a moment right now to remember at least three blessings in your life that God has sent into your life in the past 12 months. Write them down. Three blessings that God has put in your life in the last 12 months. I know we need the theme music from like Jeopardy or something to help us with this, but it'll be, we'll just take a moment of quiet here, give you a few moments to write. Three blessings that God has put in your life over the last 12 months. Got that? Here, we're going to move on to number two. The second thing we need to do is to subtract our losses. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Romans 8.28, as we know, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So, the question is, what are your losses? Your difficulties, your defeats, your failures, your humiliations, times in the last year when it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. When you look at your life, put those things into the debit column, subtract them out. Maybe it's a bitterness or a resentment or a broken relationship, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down three things that you need to subtract from your life. Three things that you need to subtract from your life. And church better not be on that list, okay? Just say. Three things you need to subtract from your life. Okay, here we go with number three. We need to multiply our promises. First Peter chapter 1 talks about the exceeding and precious and great promises of God. The Bible is a book filled with God's promises, and that's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the promises that God has made to you or about you or for you, promises that you might be hanging on to or have hung on to in a difficult situation, promises that are sustaining you as a believer. Um, you know, we, we need to be reading our Bible because that's where God's promises are found. He gave us lots of promises. In Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. In Psalm 91, 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 1, 6, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Job 23, 10, he knows where I'm going and he when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. So God's book is filled with promises for us. Write down at least three promises of God that are meaningful to you. Okay? If you haven't read the book, you might not have a lot of promises stored up, but write down what you can. What you can. Write down at least three promises of God that are meaningful for you. You all are doing really well with this exercise. This is great. And then finally, here we are. We're going to divide. The last one is we're going to divide our burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We divide our burdens by taking on somebody else's burden. When we help somebody else with their burden, our burden grows a little lighter. When we reach out a helping hand, to somebody else, the Lord makes the way easier for us. So many of us get a little too inward focused. We, we're a little too myopic. We spend a lot of time looking at ourselves. So here's what I want you to write down. Write down the names of at least three people you know who have a burden that you can help with this week. Who are three people that you know that you have a, that have a burden that you could help with. Maybe you could give them a call or write a letter or 
you know, give some money or give a hug, go to see them, help them with a project, bake some cookies or some food for them, spend time with them. Instead of focusing on your own problems, think about dividing that burden. Ask the Lord to show you who the people are that you could help this week. So, one more time. What is contentment? Contentment is realizing how much we already have. We are better off than we think we are. Now, if we aren't content, the question is, why not? You may have more than you think you do. God has given you more than you realize, and people around you uh, are all around you who need you more than you know. If you have any doubts about that, I want you to consider this. The, the quote I started with today, there is no question in our minds that God is good and we praise him even when the times get tough. Can you really say that? Is your heart heavy this morning? Do you have a burden or, that you've been carrying around? I'm reminded of the old saying that says, you know, I complained about having no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. There's no question in my mind that God is good and that we are called to praise him in all things. So here's your homework. Take this exercise that we've done together this morning and go home and do it with family or with a friend. Do it with someone else. Sit down, do a little adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. And may this week be for you what every day should be, a day of thanksgiving to the God who is good all the time. Let's pray. God, give us eyes to see your blessings. Give us hands ready to reach out and help those in need. Give us hearts to rejoice in you and lips to sing your praise. Help us to understand that whether we see it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not, you are good all the time. Amen.